Welcome to the Mobile Home Park Mastery Podcast, where you will learn how to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, finance, turn around and operate mobile home parks. And now, here is your host, the fifth largest mobile home park owner in the United States, Frank Rolf. When you hear the words mobile home park, what do you think? Most people think of a straight street made of gravel or asphalt with a mobile home on either side. That is one type of mobile home park, but that's not really true of most mobile home parks. In fact, most mobile home parks have kind of interesting stories. The kind of the classic American narrative of design, of the way that America grew over time. We're going to go over six different mobile home parks, all which have a little more interesting story to tell than what most average Americans would imagine. First, let's pick two that to me embody creative thinkers. The first is Stanley Marcus's prototype mobile home park in West Dallas. Stanley Marcus, of course, was the founder of the Neiman Marcus upscale fashion store brand, which today is in many American cities, has a mail-order catalog, and extremely well-known, well-respected as far as bringing in a lot of the best of European merchandise to the United States. But most people don't realize that Stanley Marcus himself was a pioneer on something else. He envisioned an upscale mobile home park. And so he built his original prototype of this park in West Dallas. I've been to it. I don't know if it's still in existence or not, to be honest with you, because I last saw it about two decades ago. But here's what it was. It was what looked like a Neiman Marcus store as the clubhouse with spacious and curving streets with concrete sidewalks and everything just the best in its class at the time. I don't know the year it was constructed, but I'm going to imagine it was probably in the late 50s, early 60s, which was about the same time that he was busy building the Neiman Marcus store in what is now North Park Mall. Now, what he did do was he had vision. He saw that the mobile home park product had a different path. It could be a very upscale path. Remember that he built this mobile home park at a time in which the average person in a mobile home park had higher educational status and higher income than those living in stick-built homes. But it was definitely an intriguing property. Now, it's a shame there weren't more of them, and it's sad he did not carry forward with that prototype and build a chain. I imagine that was the original purpose. But nevertheless, it kind of embodied that creative thinking that a lot of the early mobile home parks had. If you take that to an all higher level, you have 1966 Elmer Fry's Skyrise Terrace. Now, you may have seen a picture of this in the past, but most Americans have not. Elmer Fry was a very creative thinker, and he thought he of building a mobile home park that wasn't all on one level, but that was on many, many levels. In fact, his prototype he built was a 332-foot tall mobile home park with 504 mobile homes in it, all in midair. Imagine a coffee can-shaped structure where each level, let's say if you took a typical coffee can and every inch you poured a concrete floor and then you put mobile homes radially where the backs were all near each other at the back and the fronts were all out towards the edge of the coffee can. That was Skyrise Terrace. It was going to be mammoth, giant, 25, 30 stories in height. But the problem is nobody was as creative thinking as Elmer Fry was as far as having faith in this concept. 
1972, he built a four-story model of it in St. Paul, Minnesota. Now, perhaps he was thinking a little too creatively because there were a few things he forgot about. The big one being how to keep things from freezing in the winter, and that's exactly what happened. All the pipes and all the mobile homes seemingly froze every winter. Despite all their best efforts of installing heat tape and other items, they just couldn't seem to fix the problem. So eventually, this miniature rendition of Skyrise Terrace was torn down. But nevertheless, it was unusual and interesting that you had someone so creatively thinking about building mobile home parks that instead of going outward, they went upward. Now let's move to another group, which are those who did creative repurposing of property that was formerly of another use. We had a mobile home park in Kansas City that used to be a very notorious gambling casino back in the 1930s. In fact, if you look it up, you can find there's still pictures of it back when it was a casino. And what happened was, of course, casinos were illegal in Kansas City. And although the mob was able to shield it from the police taking action on it for a while, eventually it caught up with them. So finally, the gambling casino was shut down. And in fact, the casino near the end burned to the ground, although I don't know if it was arson or naturally. But what you had then was a property which has some pretty neat features. It had a very nice architectural stone fence that went all the way around it. It had very nice architectural stone stairs and landings. So someone had this interesting idea. Hey, let's build a mobile home park on that. Let's go ahead and use each of these terraced levels with all the nice stonework to park mobile homes. And so it's a mobile home park that's on about four terraces, all with this really nice stonework. In fact, it has stonework and has these very, very large, nicely groomed yards out in front. So it was very, very creative repurposing of a property. I don't know what else you could have done with it. Wouldn't have worked for single family. The lots weren't nearly large enough. Would have been a very awkward apartment complex and very hard to build on multiple levels. However, mobile home parks seem to be exactly the proper use for it. In that same vein, both as far as being connected with organized crime and creative repurposing is a mobile home park in Fort Worth, Texas, that used to also be on the grounds of a former mobster hangout. Now, in this case, the structure that the mobsters built and hung out in is still standing. It's a giant Tudor mansion. It also has an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Now, these are things that would not be normally found in a mobile home park. However, back in the day, back in the 50s, back in the 60s, not uncommon. Bear in mind, back in that era, Elvis Presley himself lived not only in two mobile home parks in two different films. It happened at the World's Fair in 1963 and Speedway 1968. But he actually even lived in a mobile home park of his own that he owned not too far from Graceland. He liked to go there on weekends and sometimes weeks at a time. Found it very relaxing being in a mobile home park populated by nothing other than his friends. And he liked being out in the country and I think liked to be a little bit far away from Graceland, which kind of served as his home office for business. This gave him some downtime where he could just hang out with his friends. So what they did was they took the property and they made the Tudor Mansion into the clubhouse the pool into the park swimming pool. And so it made for a very interesting mobile home park. You had not only 
the regular grassy area with the mobile homes placed, but you had this phenomenal clubhouse at the rear. So it made it a very, very upscale property. Was there something else you could do with it? Well, really not. All you could have done to really utilize that mansion and that pool would be to perhaps have built apartments, but it would be kind of an awkward apartment location. Stick built, track was not nearly large enough. So mobile home park really was a very logical way to repurpose the property. Now let's move on to two more mobile home parks, and these suggest a bigger vision. Now, our earlier four mobile home parks, those came from creativity and a touch of whimsy or creative repurposing existing property. But these next two, they were part of something much, much larger. They were actually the catalyst, the nucleus of major American cities. And they began as mobile home parks. The first is the Villages, which is the largest single development in the United States. It's down in Florida. I believe it now has about 100,000 residents in it. But if you look it up on Wikipedia, you'll see that although today it's very, very nice single family, some multifamily, nice retail, everything kind of almost in a golf course setting with golf carts driving around. But if you go back in time to the beginning of the villages, according to Wikipedia, it began as a mobile home park, or as this would be described, more of a manufactured home community. However, as time went on, taste changed, demand changed, and it grew from not just a mobile home park, but into a giant sprawling development that people love. It's, it's very desirable for many people to live in the villages. It's a senior-only community. But it started off with just that vision that here we could build a new city. Here we could build something major. And to start it off, it began with a mobile home park. The same is true of a mobile home park that we used to own south of Dallas in Glen Heights, Texas. It's one of the few mobile home parks we've ever owned that, if you look it up on Wikipedia, it was the start, the nucleus, the catalyst of a city called Glen Heights. At that time, a man who worked at Glen Heights in the fire department had this vision that Glen Heights could be more than just uh, a building or two along a farm-to-market road. So he decided to build this large mobile home park, and then he built his house at the front of it, and it was the start of the city. So if it wasn't for him and his vision of building this mobile home park, Glen Heights would not exist today. Glen Heights, if you look it up on a map, is a fairly large suburb south of Dallas-Fort Worth. So once again, now we have mobile home park owners who were thinking – as big as you can think. They were thinking this isn't going to be just an addition to a city. This is going to be a city unto itself. And they succeeded in that vision. And that mobile home park became kind of like the grain of sand in the oyster that creates the pearl. It was the catalyst for what are today fairly large parts of America that serve a definite purpose, offering nice neighborhoods, nice retail as part of the greater community. Now, the reason I told you these six stories is that many people don't seem to understand that there are a lot more interesting stories to mobile home parks than that which meet the eye. That the stories that you hear and see on TV and in the movies, those really don't tell the true story. 
There's 45,000 mobile home parks in the U.S. There's 45,000 different stories behind those mobile home parks. Some are merely interesting, and some are extremely fascinating, but they almost all share nothing in common. Each mobile home park is a very unique thing. Just like a person, there's no two that are exactly alike. Food for thought, in my opinion, in a time in which people think of mobile home parks as being just one certain type of item. In fact, the answer is no. There's a lot more to a mobile home park than most people realize. This is Frank Roth, the Mobile Home Park Mastery Podcast Series. Hope you enjoyed this and see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Mobile Home Park Mastery Podcast. Be sure to visit us at mhpmastery.com to subscribe to the show, read our show transcriptions, and access all of our great information on mobile home park investing. 